Hey friends, and welcome to the Be Positive Podcast, where we talk all things chronic illness and health issues, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because this is a place I want everyone to feel seen, encouraged, and empowered. So let's get to it. Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because we have a special guest who is actually my functional neurologist doctor, and I'm super excited for you guys to learn all her wisdom and knowledge. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm Dr. Brittany Forrester. I am a chiropractor, but I'm also board certified in neurological rehab. Um, It's also more commonly referred to as functional neurology. Um, I have a diplomate and a fellowship in clinical neuroscience, which is just a fancy way to say I've taken a lot of tests. Um, I have worked in North Georgia, South Georgia, and Central Florida um, during my time in practice. Um, I've had a huge range of different patients with different conditions um, at different phases of their life, whether it be infant or, you know, 99. Uh, Yes, I did have a patient that was 99 once, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, On a more fun note, I'm engaged, finally. Um, I have a beautiful, wonderful puppy daughter named Kim. Um, my work and my dog, sorry, my fiance, are most of my life, but I do like to do fun things sometimes when I have time, like going to the beach or hanging out with friends or, you know, just watching some good old reality TV. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you to be on here. So we've actually, a few months prior to this podcast even being a thing, we actually joked that we should be on a podcast together. We did. So how does it feel to be on my podcast? Well, um, I feel like I made this happen. Yeah. No, I'm totally kidding. We spoke it into existence. Yes, we did. Or you did. Yeah. It was probably your idea, to be quite honest, but I just went with it. Um, but just so you guys know, while Sarah and I are in treatment, we like to keep it fun. Um, so we do have a lot of banter back and forth. Um but we'll throw some things out there. Like she'll say something really funny and I'll say, let me write that down. We need to put that on a shirt or what, whatever the case may be. And so she's told me about her podcast and I was like, oh my gosh, our quotes can now be your merch. Yeah. It's so exciting. It's very scary having a podcast too, but it's very, it's very exciting. And I feel like for us, it's very much different than a normal um, doctor patient relationship. You're still very professional and you've helped me so much. But you're also like, I only really see my medical team at this point in my life. So you guys are now like my friends also. Um, So why don't you tell a little bit about like how long you've been practicing functionology and what made you choose functional neurology? So I have been practicing for officially for about six years now. One of those years I was doing internships um, in different clinics. Uh, I've been out of my own now for about five years. Honestly, getting into functional neurology was kind of, I wouldn't say a mistake, but it was happenstance. So I was in chiropractic school and in school, we have a lot of different clubs that are, you know, specified for certain uh, techniques or different types of patients you want to see, whether it's sports or pediatrics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and a couple of my friends were going to this functional neurology club and I was like, no, like, I'm just going to stick with like pediatrics. I think I was kind of into that at that point. Um, and it was great. Um, but I, during classes and things, I would always have these questions. 
I mean, I never ask them because I hate talking in public. So honestly, this podcast is a lot for me, but I'm enjoying it. Um, but I would always ask questions like, well, you know, you say you're the adjustment, it works and it works because it changes your neurology. And that was kind of a phrase that I had heard a lot of in school. And I was like, changes your neurology. Okay, but how? And honestly, not that the instructors or the other doctors that were at school didn't know, because I'm sure they did. It just wasn't ever explained physiologically how it worked. It was just kind of like, oh, well, you take the tension off of a nerve and that nerve can then, you know, process information a lot faster and you get better output. Okay, well, that was all well and good. But I'm like, well, what happens in the brain? So when my friends invited me again to this functional neurology club, it's like, all right, I'll check it out, you know, whatever. And honestly, from day one, I was like, this is cool stuff. And it just explained so much just on that first day that I was just kind of like, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole with this. And I, I kind of did. And here we are. <laughs> that's so cool. I actually didn't know that. So that's really cool getting to hear it. So um, why don't you explain um, how how is functional neurology different than traditional neurology? Yeah. So traditional neurology, it is a specialty of a medical practitioner who you know diagnoses and treats different neurological conditions right they mostly treat these conditions of course with pharmaceuticals um but what kind of their overall job is number one to assess the hardware number one is it there number two is it working kind of has to be working right and number three how do they fix any problems that arise and of course it's a great thing. We, we need people like that to do that. If you don't have a frontal lobe, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to do things and understand what's going on and to kind of supplement, you know, different things that are going to help you to go about your day. Functional neurology is a little bit different. We still assess the brain and, you know, assess the hardware, but we're not really making sure that it's there because someone's probably already done that. Um, and you probably already have some sort of diagnosis. We care about diagnoses, but honestly, we more care about why is what is happening and why are you having certain symptoms? Why is that happening? So we basically look at different connections in the brain between different neurons, um, how are your body movements working? How is all of the information coming in being processed? And how is that output being affected? And we look at output in many different ways. Output can be anything from the way you walk or the way you think, being able to turn off and turn on different thought processes, um, being able to multitask, uh, behavior. Anything can be an output of these connections inside of your brain. So we assess those things and then find different areas in the brain, different connections that uh, might need some work or some stimulation to get those back to where they are or should be to make you and your brain more efficient so that it has better output so that all of those symptoms can be a little bit more efficient and work well for you. Yeah. And so then if there are any areas that need, you know, a little bit of work, we will normally do therapeutic exercises to address those parts of your brain. 
um, so that the brain can rewire itself um, and allow you to function better. Okay, so I'm seeing you specifically for um, POTS, but what types of con conditions or chronic illnesses can functional neurology help with besides just POTS? So there is a saying that, you know, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? And that's true. So everybody has their bag of tricks. Everybody that has a specialty in something, when they look at the world, that's the lens that they're looking at the world through, right? I'm no different than that. But at the same time, your brain is what makes everything happen. It tells your body exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it, based on experience, development, etc. So in that regard, honestly, anything can be helped with neurological rehab. And I say that because I've worked with patients that have, quite frankly, only had one lobe of their brain. I've worked with professional athletes that are performing at the highest levels who don't necessarily have any symptoms. They just want to perform better. And then everybody in between. So that's kind of the broad answer. However, most commonly, I would say conditions that I personally see most often are concussions are a big one, um, ADHD, uh, autism, certainly POTS. Um, I've seen a few like dementia, any kind of degenerative issue um, like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's any developmental things, of course, ADHD, autism. Um, so it really is just a wide variety of things, mostly because your brain is always learning. And if it can keep learning, then the better it'll be. Yeah, that's really cool. So kind of backtracking to POTS, how, because um, I, I know I probably will have a lot of listeners who also have POTS. Um, how does it specifically, um, how does POTS specifically affect the body? So POTS, and I'm sure everyone listening to this knows this, but of course stands for postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And so if we break the word down, um, we have postural. So your position of your body, orthostatic, you know, meaning gravity or in a standing position, tachycardia, increase in heart rate and syndrome, a collection of symptoms caused by something, right? So when we put all of these words together, Changes in your body position, mostly against gravity, increase your heart rate, which causes XYZ, right? Most commonly, um, this causes feeling of dizziness or lightheadedness when you go from laying down to sitting up or sitting up to standing. But why is this all happening? Why do you feel dizzy when you're just sitting up or standing up, right? So when you go from laying down or standing you're changing the amount of gravity that's pulling down on you. When your blood is circulating, it takes more energy to get from, let's say your legs or your feet to your head, or to say differently, to be pumped upwards to your head. Um, this especially gets harder against gravity, right? So with POTS, this process is slow or doesn't happen the way it should, therefore, blood not getting to your head at the rate that it should causes your oxygen level to go down. 
nothing in our bodies can operate without oxygen. So in order to get oxygen to not only your brain, but your extremities, your organs, your heart has to pump a lot faster to expel more blood because the volume of blood isn't coming. So it has to go faster. Uh, so this, of course, increases the heart rate. So the lack of oxygen is what causes the dizzy spells and can even cause you to pass out, of course. Um, but this isn't all that pot, POTS affects. You know, everyone has very different experiences, um, but you can get, you know, very fatigued with very little stimuli. You can have temperature intolerances. Blood flows very differently in certain temperatures. So not being able to regulate that can have some of those same effects, being tired or dizzy or whatever your case may be. Um, but mostly, but because without oxygen, not much else can happen. So that's kind of the big picture with that. Oh, that's really cool. I actually have never thought about it with the the temperature differences because, um, you know, temperature dysregulation is something I struggle with. So I never thought of it in that sense. So that's actually, look at me, I'm learning stuff. <laughs> so actually, Sarah, you actually introduced me to the idea of spoons or the saying of, yes. I want to spin my spoons or use my spoons on things or save my spoons. So actually, I, I never heard of that. But I have heard or have used a, a similar analogy in terms of pennies. Yeah. So they're very similar, but just a tiny bit different. So if I gave you 100 pennies in the morning to live each day, and I said, all right, take these pennies, make them last. And this isn't just for, you know, doing whatever you want to do. This is for everything your body does automatically. This is breathing, your pupils dilating, your pupils constricting, your, your hairs growing. Every, I'm talking every little thing that your body does, you have to use these pennies for, right? So if you're using, let's say, 98 pennies just to do the things that your body should be doing autonomically or automatically, such as getting blood to flow upwards at a good enough speed so you don't feel dizzy and don't have any, uh, any less oxygen than you need to, then you only have two pennies to do literally everything else. And that's everything you want to do. Every, like your thoughts, how you talk, sitting up, like I'm talking everything, your behavior, communicating with people. You have two pennies to do those things. So those are going to be spent pretty quickly in a day's time. And when you're out of pennies, what do you do? You either a crash or you sleep. So it, they're very similar analogies. It's just a good way to describe it in a different way. Okay. Yeah. That's I have never thought about it in the sense, cause I, I use spins quite often and I've heard maybe a doctor, one doctor before who's used it. Um, but it's always used in the sense of like taking a shower and stuff like that. But I've never, until you explained it that way, never thought of it as it still takes energy for my body specifically, since it kind of misfires all the time, I guess you could call it, it takes more energy to do things that say my mom or dad or my brothers could do pretty easily. So yeah. I guess I never really thought that, because that would make sense, because sometimes it's hard to talk, sometimes it's hard to breathe when I'm sitting up and different things. So I guess everything takes energy and you just don't realize yeah. it. I mean, even like watching TV where your eyes are moving back and forth, that can be overstimulating or listening to music or just having people in front of you talking or being in a crowded space that all are things that we all take for granted because those are things we're quote unquote supposed to be able to do but we're supposed to be able to do those because your brain works very efficiently and those are things that just happen because 
we are supposed to experience the world around us. But what happens when you have something that's not allowing you to experience those things? You feel them a lot more than people who aren't dealing with the same things you are. Right, which is why it can be so hard, especially for people with with a condition like POTS um, to go to college or school and, yeah. and be in a work environment, why it can take so much more energy for them. For sure. So um, how does functional neurology um, help the nervous system of a POTS patient? And do have you treated POTS patients the same or do you treat them differently? How, do, how does that work? So functional neurology honestly really helps by allowing you to save a lot more of those panties. So it helps your your body systems to work a lot more efficiently. So you don't have to spend all of those pennies on things that you shouldn't have to, right? So there are no two people that are exactly the same. Um, we all have different experiences. We all have grown up a little bit differently. And although we all develop similarly, we all develop a little bit differently as well. You know, neuron one is always going to be connected to neuron two. That's what it was designed to do, right? But the way we respond to those things and the different smaller connections that are made are very different for everyone because we're, none of us are alike. So Sarah and I, we could be riding a horse that's exactly the same size, same everything. We could fall off it at the same rate, the same speed, all the physics you want to put into it, hit our heads at exactly the same spot and have identical things going on, even down to the symptom. But what's happening in our brains, the connections that we've made can be affected very, very differently. What connections in my brain that are strong, maybe not in your brain, because again, different experiences, different things we're interested in, different things that we've learned and done in our past. Um, so I could assess Sarah's brain and it could be, all right, one way and then some you could assess my brain and it could be completely different even though everything on the outside is completely the same so while therapies may be very similar for two pots patients or just two patients in general they're very specific to each person as to what exactly is going on with them i wish there was a standardized way to do it that would make things a lot easier um but in the same breath, when you think about how everybody's individuals, I like that everybody gets their own individual treatment because there are so many standards out there today. And while they help a ton of people, which is fantastic, we love them, we need them, we want it, but it doesn't help everybody. And it's kind of those people that get left out or kind of are outside of that box that are kind of just left to fend for themselves. And it's really cool that Functional neurology is a way to bring them into the fold, not let them feel so alone, not let them kind of just fall in the cracks. So it, it's a really awesome way to kind of pick up those that have been left behind from different standard medical practices or not even medical practices, just practices in general, uh, because there is no two treatments that are exactly the same because we're all very different. That's one of the things I really appreciated when I first started seeing you because I've been seeing you almost a year now. Yeah. So, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but that was one of the things I definitely because I was scared at first. You know, I've had lots of 
um, not as as much as some people, but more than I would have liked. I've had medical gaslighting. So coming to you where you looked at my symptoms individually instead of just being like, oh, I read like a page about POTS in a, in a, in a book when I was in college, you know. So instead of being like that, you were like, let's look at the root of the problem. Let's look at why it's happening and let's try to fix that. So that was really cool seeing you and such very knowledgeable and at first it was very overwhelming because you had all the big words and I was still very, very, it was hard for me to sit up at that point. Um, so I've definitely come a long way and we still have a long way to go, but I've sure. definitely come a long way. So I thought that was cool. So, um, in, from your experience, what's, what aspects of treating POTS do you think is the most challenging? Uh, I would probably say if I could pick like one, like symptom, I would say probably fatigue levels. Mm -hmm. They're very different in everyone. You know, someone can get easily overly overstimulated by one eye movement while somebody else, it could take, you know, three flips upside down, you know, navigating that and managing that is always been something for me personally that I'm number one, very respectful of, but also I know it's important to challenge. So that can be kind of a, a very slippery slope. So I, I know I've told you this, Sarah, like my main job in our therapies is to push you to the very edge of a cliff, but I don't want to push you off of it. When we push you off of it, you know, that could put you down for several days, several weeks, maybe even hospital, right? But I want to get the most out of you that I can without going to that next level. And that can be very different in people. So that's probably, I would say the most challenging thing because it is so different, but just having to have my eyes on you, observe you, see your mannerisms, see how your eyes are moving, see your heart rate. Cause we monitor your heart rate throughout the whole uh, session and being able to see how all of those things are working together, what they normally are compared to what they are today and making the call of like, all right, we should stop or, oh no, we shouldn't introduce anything new or no, let's don't do that last rep or yeah, hey, let's do three more reps. You know, we're doing really well. So it can be a very, very slippery slope. Um, I would say too, not symptom wise, but just the lack of knowledge about what is actually going on. You know, people that have been diagnosed with POTS know they have POTS and they're, and it's real sad because they're kind of left to their own devices to say, all right, well, what is actually happening? Why, why is this happening? Like, oh, go re-Google or here's a printout. And they, they're never really explained to what's going on. And that's super challenging, just being able to overcome that barrier of talking to you, using those big words. I'm very used to people, especially after the end of our first session or after um, the exam, their eyes just being glossed over, you know, just looking at me like, they're watching paint dry because it is just so much. I'm used to that. I understand that. But it's because it's not because I use big fancy words. Um, it's because there's so much information that they've heard all of it before. And not that I put it in a way that's more easily understandable. But I'm explaining to them what it means, why this is happening, what this means and how it affects them. And like, oh, that's why my arm twitches or that's why I get tired when I stand up or whatever the case may be. And it's just a lot of information. And I always think that it's, it's so 
disheartening to see somebody have something for so long and not know anything about it. So that would say that's probably the most challenging non-symptom thing. Yeah, because I had I, I had health issues for a long time before I finally got diagnosed at 17. And I remember when I got diagnosed, um, the doctor just told me, there's no cure, but good luck. And then yeah. I left the hospital and I was like, well, what do I do now? So I went on this like fran- frantic um, ser- search for what is POTS, you know, all the documentaries, all the um, Instagrams I could find. I-, I didn't know there was so much out there. And so I just, like started my own Instagram and stuff and any podcast I could find, I was listening to it, trying to figure out. And the doctors would always be like, you just need to push harder and you need to think positive. And those are great things, but that can only take you so far. So when I finally came to you and we started talking and you'd explain like, this is why your oxygen drops. This is why you can do something easier laying down, but it's very challenging standing up. So I felt less like I was, cause I, I want, there's a point where you begin to wonder like, am I just insane? Like, yeah. am I really just crazy or am I being dramatic? Am I just weak? So you explaining like, like why, like for college, I had to drop out cause my oxygen would drop so low and um, I'd have a hard time thinking. So then when I, you know, saw you the first time and, and you, you had me monitored the whole time with my oxygen and heart rate. So to see like it actually drop and stuff in real time, and then not only see it, but then you explained why it happened was such like, I even left. I was like, if this is all that happens from this appointment, cause I didn't know it would turn out as a friendship and, sure. and a doctor. So I was like, if this is all that happens, like this was enough. So it was like, it was such, it made me feel less crazy. Yeah. So. And it's, it's information, but it's information you should have. And I will say in everywhere that I've worked with every patient I've ever worked with, well, I won't say every one of them, but a lot of them, they're kind of just like you, whether they have POTS or something else. They're like, this is my last hope. Like I've been everywhere. I've seen everyone. I don't know what else to do. But it's just that validation of saying, there is something wrong. Something is not going right. There is something that can be changed. Or this is why I have trouble doing things sitting up. It's a validating thing for someone to hear. And like you said, that is almost just enough for people to know they're not going crazy. They're not, you know, dramatic whatever the case may be. And that kind of has been one of my big missions, especially after working in um, one of the clinics that I worked in uh, down in Florida. It's because I heard that story so many times over and over and over. And it doesn't have to be like that. If you just give someone the information, it can change their entire world. Oh, definitely. It was huge because I had one doctor, I think I was 15 or 16. And it was before I got a diagnosis and we didn't know what was wrong with me. We just thought I was losing my mind or being, you know, too weak compared to my siblings. And my heart rate had gotten up to 200. And the doctor was like, we got the, went back, gave him the heart monitor. Um, And he was like, yeah, your heart rate got to 200, but you're young. It's fine. Just don't stress. So like if I had like a doc, yeah, just don't stress. Don't stress, Sarah. (laughs) So if I had a doctor like you back then, I just how much of a difference could that have made? Where would I have been? I can't look back now because I feel like I wouldn't have this podcast. So sure. it has come from it, but it's still like if I could help somebody else and not have to go through what I yeah. went through. Um, so, you know, realizing that func- functional neurology isn't really talked about. No. And because they'll suggest therapy or 
a psychiatrist quicker than they will. And I was like, my brain is fine. It's the one thing that's still going strong. <laughs> I was like, let me have this, but help my body that's not. So they always be like, like, I got Jesus, I got prayer, I got worship music, but my body needs some help. It also needs Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> it needs a lot of prayer. <laughs> so it was like definitely coming to you was such such a huge thing. So I, I saw um, a difference within like the first few sh- sessions. Um, and then I've definitely seen more now. I've come a long way in the past year. But um, how long does it um, normally take? Um, and I know it can differ between patients, but how long does it normally take to see results from functional neurology treatment? Yeah, so honestly, I wish that there was a crystal ball I could look in at after I've examined somebody and say, all right, you will see something, something better, something different in four days, two hours, and 12 minutes. But I can't. So it really does just depend on everyone how they respond, um, how quickly their, their brains absorb the information. Um, but your brain is very smart. It, it wants to be as efficient as it can be. So if you can regularly and safely introduce very specific neurological stimulation to areas of your brain that need it, the faster it'll learn those routines, the faster that they'll become stronger, the faster they'll be able to serve you well. Um, it, it's so, it's so crazy still to this day, watching people do these exercises and being able to do something that they couldn't do before. And a lot of times we do things that have nothing to do with like a symptom. So we do a lot of like eye movement exercises. We do a lot of um, body movements uh, in specific ways. But these areas are very well connected in your brain. So they have a really strong input into your brain and different areas all at once. So they can be quite powerful, but it's so easy. It's so funny in the best way to see people say, well, I can do this. And all we did was look at some dots or touch some dots or move my arm around. And it's just that simple. You know, like I said, your brain wants to, to know these things. It wants to be efficient and it's like a sponge. So if you give it the right information, it'll put out better information for you. Right. That's really cool. And I've, and I've definitely seen that firsthand with me and, you know, some, some days are better and some days are worse still. Cause you know, POTS is very much a dynamic disability, and so it can change. But definitely that stuff, I've definitely seen a difference, and it's been helpful. So as we're wrapping up, um, if someone doesn't live near a functional neurologist or isn't able to afford the treatment, are there things they can do on their own that might be helpful? I know it would not be nearly the same as functional neurology, but if that they can't get to that resource, is there anything they can do? Yeah, a couple. Um of course, everybody responds differently to things. Um, so of course, take all of these things with caution and not as if you do this, then this will happen type deals, but just kind of a general thing, um, specifically to pots is when you go to stand up, squeeze your calves, that helps just force blood upward at a quicker rate or squeeze your booty. That's it. Those are big muscles. They'll shunt that blood upwards as well. Um, you know, you can 
raise your legs if you're laying down and you're having difficulty in like on your back that can help or putting your head below your body so laying your head off of um, like a couch or something um, two of the things that I think are of the most importance are gargling and or deep humming these two things stimulate your vagus nerve your vagus nerve is one of our biggest parasympathetic nerves in our body which is that rest digest system so it really helps to calm things down but also the vagus nerve nuclei is located in that very bottom part of your brainstem and in that bottom part of your brainstem that's where a lot not all but a lot of your autonomic function so everything that happens in your body automatically a lot of that stuff lives there so if you can stimulate that vagus nerve not only are you getting that rest digest input into your body but you're also impacting the part of your brain that helps everything happen automatically that's a huge one of course gargling can be dangerous so do what you can with that but anything that's going to stimulate that vagus nerve um, deep humming if you can't gargle deep humming is great um, those are those are two of the biggest ones for um, vagus nerve um, meditating take it or leave that one um, but anything that's going to like give those um, parasympathetic nerves a little tickle it's always great um, but I would say without you know being able to see each individual person those are kind of like the the general things I would suggest well I feel like we covered we covered a lot in this we did this episode and I, I'm sitting up the whole time for yeah it, so um that's that's a big big milestone for me um but we definitely covered a lot so I hope you guys were able to get a little bit from this but before we end the podcast you know I always like to do the shout out of the day which is like something um that meant something to, to me or whoever's um, on the podcast meant something to them. So I'll let you go first. What's your, what's your shout out for today? Who do you want to give a shout out to or what do you want to give a shout out to? Um, well, I know I told you I was going to do Kim. So Kim is my, my fur animal, uh, my fur daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, but now that we've been talking a little bit and kind of where the conversation went and all, I'm going to give a shout out to your deconditioned big hair. <laughs> so the story behind that is uh, you guys may have heard um this in in my about me podcast but a doctor told me that my hair was too thick <laughs> for me to have health issues and um that it was probably just because i was deconditioned because i was homeschooled and didn't have pe so yeah. <laughs> if you didn't know that story now you do. now you do so i'm gonna give my shout out to um, this couch that we're sitting on. This is a nice couch. So I'm going to give my shout out to a couch and friends to sit on the couch with. So yeah. thank you for being on this podcast. It was really fun. Very scary. I had fun. I was very nervous. Yeah, me too. We even like, <laughs> I had to like pray before because I was like, I feel like I'm going to mess this up. So, but it was very, it was very exciting. And um, so thank you for coming to my house and Absolutely. sitting on my couch and doing a podcast with me. So I hope you guys will listen in. And also if you guys like this podcast or it was helpful in any way please share it with a friend or yes. a family member so it can help them know a little bit more about pots if that's something you struggle with or if you don't just share it because there are a lot of people who do so i hope you guys listen in next week 
thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If it was encouraging or helpful, share it with a friend or family member so we can continue to raise awareness for chronic illness and health issues. If you're on Instagram, head over to my Instagram page, Be Positive. I'd love to know what your favorite part of today's podcast was, and I can't wait to hear from you.